Welcome back to What's Up With Your Down There. I'm your host, Miriam Rosenberg, certified nurse midwife at Legacy Emanuel Midwifery in Portland, Oregon. What's up with your down there? What's up with your down there? What's up with your down there? On today's episode, we're going to talk about monster periods. We've covered topics like normal periods and premenstrual syndrome, so now it's time to tackle abnormal periods, periods which involve excessive bleeding, excessive pain, and wacky symptoms that can accompany those periods. I love the term monster periods because I think it encompasses several things that can happen for people during their period. It refers to people who have long periods, so they might bleed for more than seven days at a time every month. Monster periods also include when you have extreme pain during your period. So cramps that are so bad you miss work or school, or you're less present when you're at work or school, or that interfere with engaging in your usual activities. And this actually occurs for about 10% of people. So not uncommon for people to have such intense pain during their period. It also refers to people that have heavy flow, which is defined in a lot of ways. So medically, the definition is losing more than 80 milliliters of blood per period or soaking 16 or more pads or tampons. But people don't tend to measure their flow in these ways, although kudos to you if you do. So other things that I would look for when talking to someone about how heavy their period is, are you soaking through your pajamas and staining your bed sheets? Are you regularly bleeding through your clothes and having to bring a change of clothes with you? Do you have to change your pad or tampon more frequently than every three hours? Or are you expelling large clots? So larger than a golf ball is the description I usually use. Having a monster period can really affect people's lives. On average, according to a recent article in the British Medical Journal, people with periods lose the equivalent of nine days of productivity per year due to cramps and heavy bleeding with their periods. And this generally manifests as being able to make it to work or school, but accomplishing less than usual because you're distracted by your cramps or your bleeding. And on average, people actually miss 1.3 days per year of work or school because they have to call out sick for their period. So why does this happen? There's a lot of reasons. For most people, there's no specific cause. Their pain and bleeding is caused by normal physiologic changes associated with ovulation. But for some people, there is something abnormal causing their monster periods. Some of the most common causes are going to be things like endometriosis. This is where cells that would usually only occur on the lining of your uterus, called the endometrium, migrate and start to grow in other areas of your uterus or ovaries or even outside of those organs. And endometriosis can affect up to 10% of people with uteruses during their reproductive years. This is probably the most common abnormal cause of heavy periods, and the symptoms of endometriosis are going to be chronic pelvic pain, pain with sex, very crampy period, and irregular periods. It can also be associated with infertility. Another cause of especially heavier painful periods are uterine fibroids. These are benign tumors, they are not cancerous, which can grow in the uterus and cause the uterus to become enlarged. For some people, these will be small fibroids that they may never know about. For other people, they can be quite large. 
Another cause of heavy periods is going to be irregular ovulation. So what that means is that instead of releasing an egg every month from your ovary, you might skip months where your ovary does not release an egg. And this can happen during the perimenopausal period. So starting up to 10 years before you actually stop getting periods, people will often start to have more irregularity in how often they release an egg. Or it can happen for people who have polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS, which is a hormonal disorder in which the ovaries do not respond normally to some of the hormonal changes that usually trigger ovulation. And as a result, people have irregular periods that tend to be quite heavy, along with some other symptoms. The reason that people who don't ovulate regularly get heavy, irregular periods is this. The uterine lining generally grows during the first half of your menstrual cycle. Then your body releases an egg, and the hormones released by that egg, if it is not fertilized, will cause the uterine lining to slough off when your period begins. However, if you don't release an egg that month, the uterine lining grows and grows during the first half of the menstrual cycle. Nothing triggers it to slough off, so you skip a period. And it continues to grow and grow and grow. Now, at some point, the uterine lining becomes heavy enough that it can no longer hold on to the walls of your uterus, and you don't get a period triggered by releasing an egg. Instead, that uterine lining all comes off at once in a heavy flow that is not caused by ovulation. This is why people who don't get a regular menstrual cycle may also notice that they have very heavy bleeding when they do get a period. In rare cases, heavy menstrual bleeding may be caused by an issue with your blood's ability to clot. So clotting disorders, which may be genetically related or that may be inherited from other members of your family, might result in having heavy bleeding because your blood can't clot in the normal way. People who have clotting disorders may notice that they also bleed easily in other ways. So bleeding gums, frequent nosebleeds, easy bruising, Those might be signs that your heavy periods are the result of a clotting disorder. But again, this is a very rare cause of heavy bleeding. Endometrial cancer is another rare cause of heavy menstrual bleeding. So if you are over age 45 or have other risk factors for developing a cancer inside of your uterus, if you're having heavy bleeding that's also a bit irregular, it's important that you see a healthcare provider to talk about whether you need a test for this particular type of cancer. There are also medical treatments that can cause heavy bleeding. So if you take blood thinning medications because you have a clotting disorder that causes you to clot abnormally, that might be also affecting your period. So that's something to consider. The other thing that can cause heavy periods is a copper IUD. This is an intrauterine device, a little T-shaped device that has copper on it that can be used for birth control. One of the most common side effects of the copper IUD is a heavier, crampier period, especially in the first couple cycles after it's placed. So if you're struggling with heavy periods and you have a copper IUD, it might be worth a conversation about whether you should switch to a different type of birth control or a different type of IUD to help get that symptom under control. But realistically, for most people, we can't pinpoint a specific cause for their heavy bleeding. 
And because there are so many possible reasons for monster periods, some of which are benign and some of which are not, it is essential to have a thorough discussion and exam with a healthcare provider. So if you're suffering, please do schedule an appointment. Consider using an app or a symptom calendar for a few months before your visit so we can get a little bit of information about how often your symptoms occur, where in your menstrual cycle your symptoms are occurring, and if there are other symptoms going on which might help us zero in on the cause of your monster periods. So some of the things that your healthcare provider is going to want to know is, how are your periods? When does the pain occur in your cycle? Are your periods coming regularly every month? Have your periods always been this way or is this a new development? Are you having other symptoms which might indicate a hormonal imbalance or an anatomical problem which might be contributing to your heavy bleeding or painful periods? So symptoms that we would wanna know about would be pain with sex, issues with peeing or pooping, having frequent nosebleeds or bleeding gums or bruising easily, feeling cold all the time, losing your hair, or conversely, growing hair in unusual places, pelvic pain, or acne. Your provider's also going to want to know, how is this impacting your life? Are you missing work or school? Are you having symptoms of anemia because you're losing so much blood during your period, so you're feeling tired, lightheaded, or dizzy all the time? The other thing they're going to want to know is, is this something that has happened for other family members? So if possible, it's always great to talk to your family members and learn a little bit more about their health history to find out if anyone else in your family has bleeding disorders or conditions which might be inheritable and increase your risk for having a similar disorder. After that conversation with your healthcare provider, most likely that person is going to want to do an exam to look for any abnormalities in your thyroid, in your belly, and also to do a pelvic exam. That might include looking inside your vagina with a speculum or doing a bimanual exam where they place two fingers inside your vagina and then a hand on your lower belly to feel the size and shape of your uterus or ovaries and figure out if there are any particular areas of discomfort which might help us figure out where the pain is coming from. Sometimes getting an ultrasound or other imaging or getting some blood work done might be helpful, but it's not always necessary. Sometimes it's possible to diagnose the cause based on your symptoms and exam alone. Depending on your age and the timing of your symptoms, your provider might recommend a biopsy of the lining of your uterus. So this is going inside the uterus and taking a little sample of the lining of your uterus called your endometrium to look for abnormal cells which might indicate cancer. This is all to say that on this podcast, I am not going to be able to tell you why your period sucks, but I can speak in some generalities about some of the most common causes and treatments for monster periods. So let's jump into some of your questions. So the first question is, my periods suck and my gynecologist told me I can use birth control to skip them. Is it safe not to get your period? The short answer is yes. While it's not healthy to never get a period if you're not on any type of medical treatment for periods, there are effective medical treatments that can suppress your period. And as long as those treatments are what's causing you to not get a period, it is perfectly safe. These treatments thin the lining of your uterus and suppress ovulation so that you aren't getting a buildup of the lining of your uterus. It's not like things are just gonna overgrow in there if you don't get a bleed every month. It's actually making it so that your uterine lining doesn't grow in the typical way. 
For people who struggle with monster periods, for people who hate their periods, for people for whom their period triggers gender dysphoria, for people who get anemia because of their period, or for people who have premenstrual dysphoric disorder and become very depressed before their period, those are people who might want to consider period suppression. You can skip periods with a variety of hormonal birth control methods. So one of the side effects of some forms of birth control is either a lighter period or an absent period. And so basically we are harnessing that side effect to help you get your period under control or to skip your periods entirely. The progesterone that's in birth control, which would include birth control pills, patches, the ring, intrauterine devices or IUDs, the arm implant and the shot actually help to thin your uterine lining. So you're gonna notice less period bleeding or no period bleeding. Birth control methods that include estrogen also help to suppress your ovulation so your ovaries don't release an egg every month. Interestingly, if you get a period while taking hormonal birth control, your bleeding might look a little different because it's actually a fake period. The synthetic hormones in the birth control pill prevent your ovaries from releasing an egg, so they stop the usual hormonal cycle which triggers ovulation and brings on a natural period. Withdrawal bleeding, which is the technical name for your period when you're on birth control pills, which occurs in the last part of your pill pack, was actually only put into place because the companies that first made the birth control pill and marketed it to people in the early 60s thought it was best to mimic the normal hormonal cycle because people would prefer to get a monthly period. They also hoped that the Catholic Church would find birth control pills more acceptable if people continued to get a period, which did not work. So there really is nothing essential about bleeding every month if you don't want to. For people who are on combined estrogen and progesterone birth control, it may be possible to simply skip the placebo pills in your birth control pack and start the next pack and you will skip a period. For some people who do this, they can continue to skip periods unendingly and just never get a period. But some people will notice that after a few months of doing this, they'll start to get some spotting, which can be annoying. And in that case, probably the best thing to do is go ahead and get your period that month and then restart skipping your periods. There are some brands of birth control that have built in three-month periods where you will not get a period if you take the pill every day, and then every three months you get a period. Another option is the Depo-Provera shot, which is an injection that you get every three months, and one of the most common side effects is going to be the absence of a period. The hormonal IUD, which is marketed currently under the brand name Mirena, is also a way to potentially skip your period. So after three to six months of having an IUD in place, about 40% of women are no longer going to have a period with the Mirena IUD in place. Unfortunately, the other 60% are still going to get a lighter, more irregular period, which may be acceptable to them. But if your goal is to stop your period entirely, there's only about a 40% chance that that will occur. Similarly, the arm implant, which is marketed under the brand name Nexplanon, has about a 30% chance of causing you to completely stop getting your period. It's placed in your arm and it lasts for about three years. But the other 70% of people who use the arm implant may continue to have bleeding irregularly or frequently, so it's not a guarantee that this one's going to stop your period. 
You can also use the birth control patch or the birth control ring to continuously suppress your period. So generally when you use the patch, you use a new patch every week for three weeks, and then the fourth week you don't put a patch on and that triggers your period. Similarly, with the ring, you can place the ring in your vagina for three weeks, you take it out for a week, you get your period, you put in a new ring. If you want to not get your period, it is possible to just skip that ring-free or patch-free week, and that will help you to skip a period. However, similar to skipping the placebo pills in your birth control pill pack, some people are going to have some extra irregular spotting, especially in the first six months of skipping their periods with the patch or the pill. So to answer your question, yes, it is safe to not get a period, and there are many ways to achieve that. My periods have gotten worse as I get older. What can I do to fix them? This is a really common issue. For people who are in the perimenopausal period, which can start up to 10 years before you actually stop having a period, it's common for people's periods to become less regular and heavier. And that's because when you're getting close to ovulation, your body is inconsistently releasing eggs. So what that means is that you are not ovulating every single month. And that can lead to heavy irregular periods in the way that I described before. The uterine lining just grows and grows and grows. And without the egg being released to trigger the period, you'll skip a period some months. And then at some point, the uterine lining overgrows and falls off and you get this big, heavy period. This is also the same mechanism that causes people with polycystic ovarian syndrome to have irregular heavy bleeding. It is important to know that Having chronic anovulation, so regularly not ovulating, can result in your uterine lining or the endometrium getting thick. This can be a risk factor for endometrial cancer. So if you're over 45 or you have a long history of irregular periods, as well as other risk factors for developing endometrial cancer, it is important that you talk with your healthcare provider about whether an endometrial biopsy to check for cancer in the lining of your uterus would be worthwhile. That said, people who have irregular and heavy periods in the years leading up to menopause have a couple options. They can wait it out, use a little tincture of time, and expect that their periods should eventually cease when they go through menopause. And for some people, just knowing that this irregularity of their periods and the changes in their periods are normal is enough to help them tolerate the periods themselves. Or you can use the hormonal or non-hormonal treatments that we're talking about in this episode to help either suppress your period or make it lighter. People who may not have need for contraception or birth control can still use some of the hormonal birth control methods to help get their periods under control or to suppress their periods. So if you're noticing changes in your periods that are really bothersome to you, that are interfering with your quality of life and just waiting for menopause is not an option, it is worthwhile having a conversation with your healthcare provider to talk about what options might be appropriate for you, given your age and personal risk factors. Our next question is, my period is really heavy and painful, but I don't want to use hormones to make it lighter. I was on the pill for a while and I had really bad side effects. Is there anything else I can do to make it better? My answer to this is yes, there are many non-hormonal treatments that are helpful for making your periods less heavy and less painful. 
There are also some low hormone options that I think you should consider even if you had a bad experience on the pill before. So let's start with the non-hormonal options. Probably the easiest one is going to be a treatment called non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. That is a fancy way of saying ibuprofen or naproxen. These are over-the-counter medications that are safe for most people to use. They can reduce the amount of blood that you lose by almost 50% during your period, and they have a pain-relieving effect. So for people who are struggling with crampy periods and heavy periods, using ibuprofen or naproxen can be really helpful. Typically, what I tell people is if you have regular cycles, two days before your period starts, you should start taking higher doses of ibuprofen or naproxen and continue it for five days through the onset of your period. This is going to help with your blood loss. It's going to help with your cramping. It is not going to affect your hormones. And it's safe to do if you're trying to get pregnant and therefore don't want to use hormonal contraceptives or birth control to help make your periods better. A less common option, which does require a prescription, is something called tranexamic acid, or TXA. It's about as effective as ibuprofen or naproxen, and you do have to take it three to four times a day on your heavy bleeding days. It might be helpful for people who cannot take ibuprofen for one reason or another, um, if they have stomach ulcers or they have an allergy to that. So it might be a good alternative for those people, and it doesn't interfere with your hormones. Unfortunately, because it works mostly on your body's ability to clot blood, it doesn't actually help with cramps. So I find that this is a less popular option, but it is something that you could consider. There are also some surgical options for people who do not wish to have biological children in the future. These would be things like endometrial ablation, which is basically burning the lining of the uterus so that it does not grow every month and you stop getting a period. This is a surgical procedure that does need to be done in a gynecologist's office. And like I said, if you do desire your fertility, this is not a good option. The other option is definitive, which is taking out the uterus. So hysterectomy is another option for people who truly have terrible periods and who do not desire fertility. This is a major surgical procedure, though. So it's important to think about alternatives to hysterectomy if you have really heavy periods or bad cramping and you do want to continue to have your uterus. Now, many people come into my office and tell me that they were on the pill and they had terrible side effects, and so they don't want anything hormonal. There are some low hormone options that I think are still worthy of consideration. My favorite is probably the hormonal IUD. This is a little T-shaped device that's placed in your uterus in a healthcare provider's office, and it releases a low dose of progesterone into the uterus. And this does several things, but the most important for our purposes today is that it thins the lining of the uterus, and for some people, it's going to suppress their ovulation. This results in lighter periods and less frequent periods. And as I mentioned before, after several months of use, about 40% of people who have one of these IUDs are not going to have a period at all. The other nice thing about these IUDs is that the hormone contained in them is largely circulated just in the uterus and ovaries and doesn't get into the bloodstream in high enough levels to cause some of the side effects that people experience with the pill, like breast tenderness or mood changes or things like that. Even if you've had a bad experience on hormonal birth control pills in the past, I encourage you to consider a hormonal IUD as a good option for control of your periods. 
We also use hormonal IUDs even for people who do not need contraception, who are in a same-sex relationship or who are no longer fertile, who want control of their period. So it's a useful tool, although that is an off-label use. Another low hormone option is just using progesterone pills during a very particular part of your menstrual cycle. So instead of taking a daily birth control pill all the time, you can use a pill for five to 10 days starting in the middle of your cycle to help reduce the amount of blood flow that you have when you get your period. Because progesterone inhibits the growth of the lining of your uterus. So when you do get your period, you bleed less. However, it's important to know that the studies that we have have found that using this particular treatment of progesterone pills is not actually any better than using ibuprofen. So if you really do want to stay off hormones, ibuprofen is probably a pretty good option for you. Last but not least, there is an option called Danazol, which is a prescription medication that suppresses estrogen and progesterone receptors in the lining of your uterus, thereby thinning the lining of your uterus and reducing your blood loss during your period. And for some people, it will make them stop having periods entirely. I don't use this one quite as often because it does have an effect similar to testosterone. So it can produce some male characteristics as well as some menopausal-like symptoms like weight gain and acne. For transmasculine people with heavy periods, this might be an excellent choice because it will provoke some of those male characteristics. But for people who are cisgendered, this might not be their best option. Our next couple questions are about some of the weird symptoms that can happen when you get your period. So the first one is, I always seem to get diarrhea on the first day of my period. Why does that happen? The answer to this question has to do with something called prostaglandins. Prostaglandins are a chemical messenger that your body produces that causes your uterus to contract to push the blood out of your uterus during your period. Those prostaglandins are also what cause the cramping that you feel when you get your period. The prostaglandins that work in your uterus do not just work on your uterus. They actually can travel over to nearby structures, including your intestines. So one of the things that they cause is cramping in your intestines as well. And so when your intestines are cramping more frequently than usual, that's going to move your poop through your body faster than normal because those cramps are what propel your poop through the tube. Since your poop spends less time in the intestine, your body doesn't have as much time to absorb the water back out of it like it usually does. And what that results in is poop that has more water in it, aka diarrhea. So it's really common for people to notice diarrhea either right before their period starts or during the first few days of their period because of the activity of those prostaglandins. Fun! Next question is about the ways in which our periods can affect other parts of our bodies again. So this person says, I have an old knee injury and I can always tell when my period is going to start because that knee starts to hurt. What's the connection? In addition to progesterone and estrogen, there is another hormone at the end of your cycle that starts to rise, which is called relaxin. Relaxin is important during your period because it softens your cervix so that it can open slightly and let your period blood out. But again, this hormone is circulating in your bloodstream and so that it can also relax other ligaments in your body. 
For people who have an injury to their joints specifically that involves ligaments, the softening of those ligaments caused by relaxin can mean that that joint becomes a little bit looser and they can hurt more, especially if you've got an injury in the past. Researchers have also found that muscle strains and other injuries are more common right when you get your period. And the thought is that this may be due to some of the relaxation of those ligaments caused by the hormone relaxin. Our next question is, is it true that you're more clumsy during your period? I feel like I'm always dropping things. This is an interesting one. The answer is yes and no. So how do we define clumsiness? Is this a lack of coordination or dexterity? Is it a slower reaction time? Or is it less strength in your hands? Um, Periods can trigger other symptoms like insomnia. And insomnia and poor sleep is definitely associated with being clumsier. There's also some possibility that period-related changes in your brain's neurotransmitters, like serotonin, might affect your dexterity and reaction time, but this connection is theoretical and has not been proven. There's also a hypothesis that the higher estrogen levels right around your period trigger your liver to make some hormones which cause fluid retention in your body and possibly in your brain, which might make it harder for you to keep your balance. There was also a small study which showed that a fall in estrogen levels, which is related to muscle strength, might result in some muscle weakness, and so that people with periods were more likely to get in car accidents or injure themselves at certain points during their cycle. There's not a ton of research that's been done on this subject, but anecdotally, many people do report that they feel a little bit clumsier. I can't definitively answer your question, but I can validate that this symptom is pretty common. So to sum up, Monster periods can have a lot of different causes, there are treatments available, and having bad periods is pretty darn common. If you're struggling with this issue, please do not suffer alone. Make an appointment to talk about options with your healthcare provider. Thank you so much for listening and for your questions. If you want to submit questions, you can email what's up with your down there at gmail.com. You can call 503-660-8689, or you can go to the website, www.whatsupwithyourdownthere.com, and submit a question through the website. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Your Down There, and you can subscribe to the podcast on kboo.fm. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts or on Stitcher. To be clear, the views expressed in this podcast do not represent the views of my wonderful employer, Legacy Health System. Furthermore, this podcast is for your amusement and education only. It is not a substitute for the medical advice of your healthcare provider. Thanks so much for tuning in. I look forward to answering your questions on the next episode. This podcast was made possible by a generous community grant from the American College of Nurse Midwives and the Francis T. Thatcher Foundation. Original music by Joe McKenzie, with vocals by Christina Cano. Artwork by Sarah J. Elliott. This podcast was produced at KBOO Community Radio in Portland, Oregon. KBOO.FM. Thanks for listening. KBOO.